What's up, everybody? This is The Big Show, brought to you by the three of us. I'm going to keep saying that now in the intro, so when we do end up getting a sponsor one day, it'll be, like, awesome. It'll be this huge surprise. It'll just be incredible. <laughs> but the three of us, we are Alex Day, Ethan Davidson, Corey Cercino. We are your hosts and your oh guides through everything that is Big Ten football. This is a disaster already. <laughs> what? That's hilarious. It's going to be amazing when we actually get a sponsor on You see, this. Hold, hold the phone, because at least when Ethan says, I'm not going to let you know about what I'm going to do when I jump on the podcast, he just goes off on a very entertaining 10-minute tangent when Alex says, I'm going to try something. <laughs> Sponsored by the three guys who do this podcast. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh. I'm not Alex, we love you. <laughs> I'm not we full of you. big surprises. I'll just throw some some small ones out there every once in a while. Okay. I'm ready. But we got a great show planned for all of you. You two had a pretty fun weekend. Uh you were at the Michigan IU game. You were tailgating and all that good stuff. How 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 was the game? How was being there? First time this year. I don't um, know what you're talking about. So, so I would say that uh, Indiana fans, you you got to bring it a little better than that. Goodness gracious! I mean, I I I guess it's it's probably true that they don't very much care about football in Indiana, but I mean, on third downs in some very key situations, when that game was still tied in the second half, I mean. J.J. McCarthy was on a clap count, but he could have been on a verbal count if he wanted to be because that place was louder for Indiana third downs than it was for Michigan third downs. But it was cool. It was honestly the stadium in and of itself was was pretty cool Um, outside, like the outside area of the stadium where you walk around. um not really much to it, but the inside was pretty cool. And we never got to go into that uh, little area at the end of the stadium. So I did not get to check that out, but it was, it was decent. It was a pretty cool, it's pretty cool experience. Indiana uh, fans. Thanks for having us. And thanks for eating our shorts. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's the second time I've been to a Michigan, Indiana game in Bloomington. And I've been saying this, since whenever we talked about Indiana home games for any team, like there is, there is not the home field advantage that uh, you know other teams have in the Big Ten when it comes to Indiana. Like I distinctly remember, as Ethan was saying, like third down for Michigan, uh, as far as like sound level was comparable to third down for Indiana in their own house. That's that's just inexcusable. I also I also have to say you know take what I'm saying with a grain of salt because I'm used to the big house and uh, that place gets a little bit ruckus. So known for being known for being one of the loudest stadiums in the country. But even so like Indiana like needs to pick up the pace here. Like I get like that football is a secondary sport to them, but like teams will just road teams will just take over in that space. Basketball has basketball's been pretty secondary, too, recently. Well, I mean, they made it to the tournament. And I was at a Michigan-IU basketball game, and that was definitely, like, a home crowd. But Hunter Dickinson just decided to, like, be 
100% from the three-point line, so that kind of took them out of it as well. But we're not talking about basketball right now. We don't need to talk about basketball. Anyways, it was fine. It was fun. Let's go. And Michigan came out with a win, so that's all that matters for us. Uh, we got some news to get to today. A little bit of nonsense sprinkled in here. We finally have nonsense again on the show. Love it. We're going to do some week six reviews, and then we're going to put our uh, our teacher hats on again. We've got midterm grades as we're at the halfway point of the regular season. We'll do week seven picks, and then we'll call it today. So let's get into the news, some coaching stuff, some injury stuff. Uh, first things first, Rutgers, offensive coordinator, <laughs> gone. Let him go this week. Obviously wasn't happy with the performance against Nebraska and the performance all year. They've been juggling quarterbacks. Not a good look for them. So their OC is out. And then speaking of Indiana, they fired their offensive line coach this weekend. I guess something about the Michigan defense having seven sacks didn't sit well with uh, with Mr. Allen over there. Probably not. Uh, injury stuff. Wisconsin. This, uh, this could be... A fairly big deal. Chaz Malusi, their backup running back, their number two to Braylon Allen, likely out for the year with an arm injury. They said he'll be reevaluated during the bye week uh, here in a couple of weeks to see if he can come back. But right now it's looking like he's out for the year. And then during the games this weekend, Tommy DeVito and Isaiah Williams, both for Illinois, got knocked out against Iowa. Um, Bielema said as of right now, they are really doubtful to play this weekend. So something to keep in mind when we're doing the picks at the end. But good news, Mo Ibrahim is expected to come back this weekend for Minnesota. So again, something to keep in mind for the picks. And then a little bit of hot scheduling news. Minnesota, the Golden Gophers, they're feeling themselves a little bit. And they said, we want Bama. And they went and got Bama, a home and home for uh, 2032 is when it starts. I'll be old and wrinkly by then. Yeah, and Nick Saban won't be the head coach for Alabama anymore. It might be P.J. Fleck by that time, honestly. <laughs> Ooh, conspiracy. So, <laughs> That's freaking sweet. How how hilarious would that be if P.J. Fleck was the head coach? Yeah. No, I don't think so. It's probably going to be like Steve Sarkeesian or something like that. <clears throat> no. Hold on. Hold on. It's going to be freaking Dabo Sweeney. No, give me the lane train, baby. Lane oh, they, they won't take lane there. Uh-uh. I want him back. That would just be fun. Literally the polar opposite of Nick Saban. So you're right. It would be extremely fun, but I don't know if Bama's about that life. But, hey, we'll, I'm sure we'll be around still, so we'll have something to talk about on the podcast, a Minnesota-Alabama game in 2032. You don't replace... Nick Saban. Do they just, uh, no, you don't. But do they, just Bama, fold, they fold the football program after Saban retires. Like we can't get no. You just you just Things automatically are. you just automatically know you are at minimum taking a very very large step backwards. Yeah, at minimum. And then Minnesota will come into your house and beat the crap out of you. Let's go Big Ten. <laughs> so that's the news. The nonsense for this week, super funny. So Mark Cuban, who I didn't know actually is an Indiana alum, before the Michigan-IU game started, they kind of they showed a video clip of him in the pregame coverage. And he came on and he was all like, yeah, I'm an IU guy, IU grad. Like, 
let's go Hoosiers, cheering for, for the Hoosiers all day long. And then he said, but I do want to toss a little bit of love toward Michigan's way. And he said, so I set up something for Michigan fans. And he was like, go hit up goblue.com. He was like, I bought the URL. Go hit up the website and see what I did for Michigan fans. Well, if you want to go to goblue.com, which he literally bought the URL, it is now set up for an Indiana student NIL store, which as a Michigan fan, I still think is absolutely hilarious. Like I went on there and the first pop-up message is, did Mark Cuban send you here? With a picture of like him laughing in the background. I was like a little gamesmanship. Very well done. By very, Mark very, Cuban. very well done by Mark Cuban. Like it's one of those things that's like, it's really funny. And doesn't go, like, over the line or anything like that. And, of course, he set it up for NIL. So, it's like, how could you be mad at it, right? Oh, yeah, so, he's a shark. He's, he's got very, a way to make some money. He's a shark. Very well done, sir. Very well done. Bravo. We got the last laugh, but bravo. Well, we need Mark Cuban to step up his NIL contributions here. He's got to make IU a back-to-basketball powerhouse and maybe put IU football in the midst of this uh, wild and crazy Big Ten, put put his money where his mouth is. Don't get don't get other people to donate. Come on, come on, my man. I I would if I had to guess if I had to guess I would guess he's the largest financial backer for the athletic program. I would hope so at that school. I would so, very much hope so. I'm sure I'm sure he is already putting his money where his mouth is. Put do more. <laughs> Flags fly forever, baby. I don't even know what that means. Championships. Championship like, banners. You come on. Good gracious. Even when they tear down a building, they move them from one to the next. Are you oh. stupid? I, I never heard that before. <laughs> oh, poor The teams guy. I root for haven't won a lot of championships, so. Yikes. Right, like the Yikes. Steelers and the... Oh, what? wait. You just started ruling, rooting for the Steelers because you're a bandwagon. And Whore. they're bad. And they are bad, but I'm getting in on the ground floor now. Nowhere to yeah. go. Incorrect. You still have the greatest, one of the greatest organizations ever backing your team along with one of the best coaches. Get we've out talked, of here. We've talked the NFL. No, we've talked, we're not. We, we can't go down this rabbit hole. We've talked way too much not Big Ten so far on the podcast. Get, get me into these game reviews before I blow a gasket. Let's get into the game reviews. God, we are off the rails. All right, we're we're going to start off with a doozy. One that we didn't think was going to be the Sicko Committee Game of the Week, but in retrospect, it was 1,000% the Sicko Committee Game of the Week. Illinois beats Iowa 9-6. to six. All field goals, no. baby. No, 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 no. Iowa loses to Illinois 6-9. to nine. Get it right. Nice. Nice. Wow. <laughs> Give the sickle committee game justice. Iowa loses six to nine. It was a just an eyesore of a game to watch. Like I said, DeVito and Isaiah Williams both exited for Illinois in the middle of the game. Five field goals, no touchdowns, and there were, there were a few big performances. Chase Brown, who's still leading the nation in, in rushing yards for Illinois, 146 yards in this game. Uh, Laporta for Iowa, tight end, nine catches, 100 yards. 
so he balled out. But I, I saw this on the gram. I wanted to bring it up because it just epitomizes this entire game. It was it was like three straight possessions for Iowa. This is what happened. So Iowa punted from their own 16, but Illinois muffed it, and they recovered the ball at the Illinois 35. Then Iowa went three plays, negative six yards, and punted again. Then they forced a fumble and recovered at the Illinois five-yard line. And then Iowa went four plays, negative four yards, and kicked a field goal. Like, that was this football game for all four quarters. It was yep. so ugly. Yep. Yeah, me and uh, me and Corey were trying to watch this game, and we both had our puke buckets in front of us. Um my goodness gracious, it was it was a hard pill to swallow. Anytime you have to watch Iowa on offense, which, by the way, that is an offense. Somebody forgot to tell them. Um, in order to play offense, you have to move the ball forward down the field. Uh, and they did a lot of moving backwards. This game was hard to watch. It epitomizes the, uh, the Big Ten West right now. Pretty hard to watch. I will say, just one positive, this Laporta kid, nasty. Okay. Oh, Iowa is tight end you. I mean, yeah. but like it's just like next man up. Like you had right. Hawkinson, you had Fun, yep. you had Fan well, didn't you have Fryermuth? Wasn't he an Iowa guy too? Uh, no, I believe Fryermuth was Penn State. Oh, um, that's right. Okay. That's right. My apologies. But you have you have two right now very capable NFL tight ends. This guy Laporta is going to be you know, one of the first few tight ends taken whenever he decides to go. I don't know if he's a senior quite yet. Um, I did see something. Uh, uh, Spencer Petrus, or however you pronounce his last name, he has one more year of eligibility left. Oh, no. I, okay, I saw that I saw that come out. Why does that matter? Like, what? why did, Why are people, like, freaking out about that? Well, he's never going to be allowed. For another year? He's never going to be allowed to play quarterback at – Iowa ever again. How do you ever know? Again. Brian Ferentz shouldn't be able to coach offense right now. But the He's going to get fired. He, the only reason he has a job is because of nepotism. That's the only reason why. He's getting fired. He, He's the, getting fired. Why did he not get fired before the Rutgers offensive coordinator? That makes zero sense. Absolutely because, zero sense. Because his dad is the head coach. Because of nepotism. My point exactly. Thank you. Okay. But he's still going to get fired at the end of the season. I mean, you have to hope. You have to. You have There's, to hope, but you could have saved your season okay, maybe here's, if you had a somewhat capable thing. offense. Here's the thing. He's getting fired, or if he doesn't, uh, Kurt Ferentz, see the door. Like, I, I'm sorry. This is, you are wasting an absolutely incredible defense. They are on the field always. <laughs> Iowa's defense yeah. is always on the field, their time of possession, I was looking at their time of possession numbers, and of course now I can't remember it. It is so horrible. It's almost two-thirds of the time the other team has the ball. And their defense is still really, really good. Their worst performance was against Michigan, who, by the way, we happen to think is pretty good. And it wasn't like Michigan lit them up or anything like that. So they played smart. They, so many, so many people have to get fired on this coaching staff. But the defensive side of it is not where any of that needs to take place. Absolutely not. So let's be done with Kurt Ferentz and Iowa 
what a uh, what a dumpster fire that is in the games we're to watch. A game that wasn't much better, but better. Nebraska Rutgers. Nebraska comes back in the second half. They were down 13-0 at halftime. Uh, am I? Yes, I am correct in saying that. And then they came back and outscored Rutgers 14-zip in the second half. Casey Thompson, 232 yards passing, two touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, only two and a half yards of carry for Anthony Grant, Nebraska. It wasn't very good on the ground. But what really helped them come back in this game, Evan Simon for Rutgers, three interceptions in the second half. Uh, was not good at all. Um, but this Nebraska team, like they look like they're playing with more confidence. Their defense is playing better. Rumor has it that now that Frost is gone, they like removed half of the defensive play calls. Like they simplified everything so that the players can just like go out there and play. And their defense, I watched most of, I watched a lot of this game very closely. Their defense was really, really good. And forced those three turnovers in the second half, kept a minute. Um, Nebraska looks like they're playing better football. So the one thing that I did hear about what you had just said was that Scott Frost was doing way, trying to do way too much, and things were like way overcomplicated. Their their defense, well, it was horrible. I mean, absolutely horrible. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. They looked pretty good in this game, but I I just, I have not seen enough from Nebraska to even remotely consider the fact that they might be decent at football. You beat Rutgers, congratulations. Like, let's move on. I like the simplification of their defense solely because, like, we've seen that Nebraska can get some talents, can recruit some players. Um, and if you're overcomplicating things, then you're missing out and not allowing um, your best players to perform at their best. So this gives them a chance with a simplified offense to um, to be um, athletes out on, the, out on the field. So um, I like it. I like what I'm seeing from Nebraska. They're playing a bit more inspired football, I would say. I mean, because you won a road game against Rutgers. Like, still, going on the road is still difficult, and especially if you're a bad team, going on the road is very difficult. I don't care if it's Rutgers. I don't care if it's a winless Indiana team. I don't care. Ruck or Nebraska going on the road, going into Rutgers on a night game, prime time, whatever you want to call it. Uh, good for them. Glad to see that they're finally getting some success. And they traveled for this game. I was seeing all this stuff on Twitter about how uh, Nebraska fans were filling the New Jersey airport and, like, you just see them everywhere. And, dude, during the Big Ten Championship game last year, um, I saw Nebraska fans. It's like, why are you guys here? Like, it's like, we just love Big Ten football. So these guys will go anywhere for this team. So let's get them some success. Yeah, and to your point about it being Rutgers, Ethan, I totally agree. So I'm not trying to overstate Nebraska by any means. But if – in my opinion, if Scott Frost is coaching this team and they're down 13 zip at halftime on the road at night at Rutgers, they lose that football game. They lose. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I mean, there's a there's a reason he got fired. I'm not saying that there's not. Um, but yeah. I, I just so much has to happen to this Nebraska team. It's a complete rebuild. It's a from the ground rebuild. Oh, so, it is. It is. But props props to those players and those coaches for yeah for sure giving them something to play for. 
this year and playing for program pride. Uh, next game up, Purdue, Maryland. The spoiler makers are at it again. Corey, do you have uh, do you have any particular phrase you would like to utter at this point in the show? <clears throat> Boiler up, baby. That's not what we were talking about. No, that would no. What is the Big Ten West runs oh, through West Lafayette? Oh, you guys already got it for me. You already got it for me. Oh, <laughs> we took fine. care of it. You took Purdue. care of the road to Pasadena runs through West Lafayette. There we go. Purdue goes on the road and beats Maryland 31-29. We were saying this earlier in the year about Maryland penalties were eventually going to cost them a game. It cost them here. Nine penalties on Maryland, including the game-tying, would have sent it to overtime, two-point conversion. That was successful. And then they had an illegal, ineligible receiver downfield, called it back, they tried again and failed, and Purdue escapes. Because uh, in reality, you look at the box score. Maryland was better than them in a few really important categories. They won the turnover battle 3-1. They had more rushing yards, 72 for Maryland, only 13 to Purdue. And then Purdue, in typical Purdue fashion, they tried to give the, way, give the game away as best as they could. First three drives of the second half for Purdue. Fumble, interception, fumble. What Maryland did with those turnovers. Turnover on downs, punt, missed field goal. So Maryland could not capitalize on those mistakes. And then they shot themselves in the foot with penalties. And Purdue gets a win. And they are right back in the race for the Big Ten West. Before Corey explodes about this game, I'm going to add a tiny bit of reason to what we saw. Purdue has been surprisingly underwhelming these past two weeks on offense. And I have been absolutely astounded by the way their defense has played their in these last two really weeks. Well this their defense has played very, very well. And in, see, the game against Minnesota, I was so mad at Minnesota, I could hardly focus on the positives for Purdue. Purdue's defense played very well in that game. Now, I will say Minnesota shot themselves in the foot a ton, as did Maryland with a lot of these penalties. But I was very impressed with the way Purdue's defense played. And I was like, where was this against Syracuse? Where was this against Penn? Because against Penn State, Penn State could have thrown me out there at wide receiver. I'm wide open. You're going for 100 yards that day. Oh, 120 and a tutty bank it call call the bank and say uh excuse me i'd like to bank something ethan davidson dark horse heisman trophy candidate that's what they would have been saying after that game so <laughs> very I, I i'm impressed with the changes that they've made and when you're irate at a team you you have to be willing to allow yourself to say hey i recognize now that you're not doing those things that were making me irate Purdue's offense needs to pick it up, though. Aiden O'Connell was did not impress me in that game. I, I, I there was some there was some overthrows and some underthrows in that game where I was like, "Where is that pass going?" And I'm talking about a fairly clean pocket. Now their offensive line is nothing to write home about, but 
there was a couple of times when he had a fairly clean pocket and needed to put a pass just right on the money, and it didn't happen. So offense has got to pick it up, but I like what I've seen from him over the last couple weeks. I'm going to be logical here, okay? I'm not just going to blow up and say some nonsense, but this Purdue team has got to be one of the more infuriating teams of the Big Ten West because you had a you had a great opportunity to put the stronghold on this race week one against Penn State, a game you should have won, by the way, and you just gave it away. Now, you look at the schedule. Yes, they lost that game at Syracuse, okay? But three of their more impressive performances have come on the road. They had a great showing against Minnesota. So it could have taken control of the Big Ten West race. Um, and then uh, you had this road game as well against Maryland, who is a team on the rise uh, for this week and for this season of the Big Ten. So you're trying to think about what is going to happen with this team. They played great defense sometimes. They ran the ball over 100 yards once. Aiden O'Connell has looked like the best quarterback in the Big Ten West once. What happens if they put it all together? And if that truly happens, well, holy smokes, they could take over and be the team that actually wins and takes hold of the Big Ten West. Because Illinois right now is the front runner. After these few weeks, they're going to have to start a backup quarterback this weekend in one of their tougher games in this season. So, against Minnesota coming at home. So, I wide, wide open. It's absolutely wide open. And... It's just so frustrating with Purdue because they are, they're the hardest team for me to figure out what they are because I feel like they're just as close to being six and zero as they are to being one and five at this point mm-hmm. in the season. Like if they don't give those games away to Penn state and Syracuse, they're six and zero at this point in the year. The Syracuse game doesn't matter in the Big Ten West race. That's that's what I want us to understand here. Yes, it was they should have won that game too. But like the Penn State is the the Penn State game is the only one that matters as it pertains to the race and for the rest of the season. No, you're right. But in terms of trying to figure out who they are as a team, like so they are that close to being six and zero. But then you say, okay, they lose those two games. Uh, they go on the road and play a Minnesota team without their best player. And then they beat a Maryland team who shot themselves in the foot. And then did you see the extra point that got blocked by Maryland? I personally thought, and so did the Maryland coaches, I thought that he was offsides and they didn't get called for it. And that's why Maryland had to even go for two at the end of the game, which you can't blame it on officials, right? But that's a huge call that changes what Maryland does at the end of that football game. So Everybody's run into that this season. There's been four teams that have happened. That has happened, too. It's happened to Illinois. It's happened to Purdue in the Syracuse game. It's happened to everybody. I so, agree. It just makes it that much harder to be like, oh, Purdue, are you good or bad? I just don't know. They're not good or bad, but they are an electric factory, and that's what we love about them. <laughs> See, this is this is exactly what I was talking about before the season, that I didn't want Purdue to be. I don't need them to be the spoiler makers. I, I, I wanted them to, in the last year of Aiden O'Connell, to come out and to be a team that's like, we're going to be a team to be reckoned with in the West. And there is no spoiler makers because we are that team. Well, last two weeks, it's been upset victories 
because of their failures in the early season. And it's like, that's not what I want. So they need to change that narrative right now. And that starts by winning the rest of your games, <laughs> essentially. But, great advice. Mm, yeah. Win football games. Why oh, yeah, haven't yeah. I thought of that? Next game. Uh, let me do just quick box stores, box score stuff. Talia, 315 yards and three touchdowns. O'Connell, 360 and two touchdowns with two turnovers, an interception and a fumble. And they kept Charlie Jones in check. Only 15 yards for him. But uh, bringing the pain, pain Durham, seven for 109 and a touchdown. So he really showed out for them. But we'll move on. Wisconsin and Northwestern. Wisconsin bounced its back in a big way. And Northwestern, uh, I mean, they're a slouch, but great showing by Wisconsin. They beat Northwestern 42-7. to Graham Mertz this week was the highest-graded pro football focus uh, quarterback in college football this week for his performance. He put up 299 yards, five touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Uh, DK, wide receiver for Wisconsin, just absolutely on fire in this game. Ten receptions, 185 yards, and three touchdowns. And they ran the ball well, too, 135 yards for Braylon Allen. Northwestern, three turnovers, only 79 rushing yards. Evan Hull was kept in check. I Northwestern's not a good football team. We've said that a couple of weeks in a row now. And you, you know, as both of our teams, um, the Nebraska Cornhuskers and the Purdue Boilermakers start to rebound and start to win some games. <laughs> how are things go? How are things going with Northwestern there, Alex? I am firmly planted on the Minnesota Golden Gophers bandwagon, oh baby. Let's go. I'm switching. I'm switching. Oh, boy. Yikes. I, I mean, Northwestern, you are a I, – I, I mean, he's got to go, right? Who? Fitzgerald. Uh, Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. I almost said Fitzpatrick. Fitzgerald. Yeah, Pat Fitzgerald. He's got to go. Think, I don't he's think they go. will. I don't think the expectations for the program are high enough, to be honest. Yeah, but you can't have years like this. The Northwestern always has years like this, though. And then they'll bounce oh. back next year and be like a 9 or 10 win but, team. But no, they won't. Didn't they no, have, they won't. Didn't they have a year like this last year, too? Yes. Yep. So so this is two years in a row where they've just yep. been an absolutely putrid football team. Yeah. I don't necessarily disagree with you. But and I what in the world, work. what on this team makes you think, okay, <clears throat> but next year they're going to be substantially better? You made the point early in the season, Alex, that they were returning a bunch of starters, especially yeah. on their offensive line. Yeah, I don't think they will do that next year, but They're it's going to be what they do in years past, that they just kind of show up out of the blue and and win the Big Ten West. Hey, hey, ho, ho, Fitz, Fitzpatrick, it's time to go. Hey, hey, ho, ho. Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, <laughs> baby. Got him. Got him. Uh, Holinsky, actually. It looks like Northwestern's going to have a little bit of a QB controversy. Not that it matters all that much, but Holinsky got taken out of the game, and he was trading, not necessarily trading drives, but him and Sullivan uh, was the backup quarterback, ended up coming in and playing a lot too. So I actually um, got a call uh, at the Michigan IU game. Uh, Fitz, uh, Fitzgerald was like, hey, you want to play quarterback? And I was like, nah, I got I to gotta watch this game. I don't want to play for your sorry 
for your starting school. See ya. Yeah, good for you, Corey. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, but Leonard, Leonard, you get Jim Leonard gets his uh, first win in his first first game as Wisconsin head coach. So good for him. Next one up, the game that you two were fortunate enough to be at, at least in the second half. First half was ugly for Michigan, but they pull it out. They end up winning by 21, Michigan 31, Indiana 10. Uh, let me scroll to my notes here. I thought Indiana came up with a fantastic game plan in the first half. Like, it's it's pretty well known that hurry up, no huddle is like kryptonite for this Michigan defensive scheme and they came out and did it consistently in the first half. Uh, I think part of this, too, is that Michigan is getting the reigning Big Ten champ treatment. And they every were, team. They were ahead. running the hurry up on incomplete passes. Yes. Down yeah. the field. They would run the hurry up. I, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that before in my life. No, but they were doing – you're right. They were doing it every chance they got. And – like I said, I think every team is just bringing out their absolute best for Michigan. Because even look at Maryland. We've talked about their penalty issues. The only game this season where they've been under eight penalties on the road at Michigan when they only committed one. So I think Michigan's going to have to get used to this, of being right in the center of these teams' targets uh, as they go and play these guys. But J.J. had a good game. This was a J.J. game. Like, Corum was not himself. If you take away his, like, 150-yarder early in the game, his yardage wasn't that impressive. So, J.J. went over 300 on the day, three touchdowns, only one interception. And the defense, like we said earlier, seven sacks. They seem like they're getting better every week, too. Biggest takeaway um, for this game for me was Michigan's defense uh, – was really, really, really good, especially against that hurry-up. They gave up the one early touchdown, uh, but aside from that, uh, it was very much bend, don't break. And while they did give up some yardage in the game, that's always going to happen against a hurry-up style offense like that. But I thought they played extraordinarily well. And then the fact that they were getting home late in that game like how are you not absolutely exhausted so kudos to whoever the strength and conditioning coach is at michigan also um a little bit of a side note here i i think once you factor in mike hart going down on the sideline early in that game that's a hard thing to rebound from and i think a lot of the guys were very very visibly struggling with that on the sidelines so um, like you said, Alex, JJ, maybe his best game so far, uh, but really like the way that they played was not very impressed with Michigan's offensive line. Uh, I thought Michigan's offensive line played at a C minus in this game. So definitely something that needs to be addressed heading into this big game against Penn State. I still don't think the play calling was that creative as far as the offensive side of the ball. Um, and especially since Indiana's game plan on offense was hurry up. Their their uh, their game plan on defense was they are not going to beat us with the run. And Michigan did not do that today. And they had to rely on J.J. McCarthy to make the throws he needed to make. Um, I know he made a, a really... 
not so great pass. It was in, I think, the third quarter. It was interception in the end zone. He threw it into double, maybe triple coverage. I'm not sure. Um, but then after that pass, he went 10 for 10. Which is which is a great stat and great to see like a young quarterback bounce back from that. Again, they are going. This is how Michigan's offense is going to operate. They are going to stick with their vanilla game plan until they absolutely have to open up the playbook. And I don't know what like level that gets to with the coaching staff. If it's like okay, we're down by two scores, we need to open it up. That might be too late. So maybe inch by inch because like. Ethan and I could, like, from the stands, could figure out, hey, you know, Michigan's going to run the ball right here. And if we could figure it out, Indiana's defense could definitely figure it out. Lo and behold, they were able to cover and win this game in convincing fashion. Uh, So that wasn't a problem against Indiana, but it's going to be a problem against the Penn State if you get into that that dogfight. Yeah, it's interesting you say that about the play calling and being a little bit predictable because I know you guys were at the game. Watching from home... Joel Klatt said on the on the um, on the broadcast, he he was like, you know, it looks like when Michigan motions a guy that they run the ball and that then when they're going to throw the ball, they just get in their playbook and, and or get in their formation and they don't move anybody to try to confuse the defense. And sure enough, the next play, they put someone in motion and Gus Johnson goes, so they're going to run right here. And it was a run play. So if Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson are noticing that from the booth, I mean, Penn State's on a bye week sitting at home watching the game. Like, so they obviously know that, and they're going to see that because they're watching it much more closely. So, uh, but I do think this is just what Michigan does. Like, it is a very compressed playbook until they really need to open it up. And so I'm hoping that they look at this weekend's Penn State game as a time where they need to open it up and maybe flip the script a little bit because I think a lot of teams are going to do what Indiana did, sell out against the run and say you're not going to beat us that way, knowing that Blake Corm is the best player. And maybe Michigan flips the script a little bit and tries to use the passing game to open up the rushing game as opposed to going the other way around, which is what they prefer to do. Uh, And just another kudos to the Michigan defense, 19 yards rushing for Indiana as a team. And that seven-sack number could have been a lot more. Bazelak was throwing it away early and often when he felt any kind of pressure. So it's good to see the Michigan defense playing better every single week. And this weekend's game should be an absolute uh, – it should be awesome. It should be the best game of the weekend in the conference slate. So let's get to the last one for the weekend, uh, Ohio State and Michigan State. Ohio State runs away with this one. It actually wasn't as close as the score indicates. Uh, Ohio State 49, Michigan State 20. C.J. Stroud did whatever he wanted. He actually had more touchdown passes than he did incompletions. He had, let me look at this just to get it right. Yeah, six touchdown passes, uh, only five incompletions on the day. He threw for 361 yards. Travion Henderson, 19 carries, 118 yards and a touchdown. He hit 100 yards rushing before halftime. Abuka. 143 yards receiving, Harrison Jr., 131. I mean, it was an absolute clinic from Ohio State. And it felt like if they didn't score on any given possession, like it was like, oh, they did that on purpose. Like they like they were just throwing a bone to MSU because it looked like they should score on every single drive. Uh, also, I don't know if you guys got to watch this game, if you were out or anything, but 
that stadium was mostly Ohio State fans. It was like 65 to 70% scarlet in the stands. And for a game where like your team's got nothing to lose and you're going against maybe the favorite to win the national championship, you'd think some people from state would show up to this game and they didn't. It was really pitiful. And it just seems like the quicksand, they're just sinking deeper and deeper as the season goes on. What What is there to say about this game? Ohio State is a powerhouse. They did whatever they wanted. And I just am shocked. Why not make an adjustment on the defensive side of the ball? Everybody knows your secondary is horrible. Everybody knows that you cannot play deep. Do something different. Change a scheme. Send more blitz. Something to do to keep opponents on their toes. You had your secondary coach from last year who was pitiful come back again this year. You didn't do anything, and I'm I'm a broken record at this point. You didn't do anything to address the secondary needs in this season with the transfer portal or even some of your recruits. Why on earth would you expect a different result? It does not make any sense. And so this is why some people are like, like all the Michigan slappies of the world are like, oh, Tuck can't coach, blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, he can do something because he was able to bring his guys up to a different level last year, and they were able to come back in a, in a game where they were down by 18 points against Michigan. What is going on? Like, this is not what good coaches do. They find a way to at least alleviate some of the issues on their team. It's the same thing every week. Michigan State could not stop Ohio State at all. It was like 28-0 to before any, or no, not because Michigan State had the pick six. So because of one mistake from C.J. Stroud, like they had this game tied at one point. That was it. And then other than that, it was a snooze fest. Is it out of the question to say that Michigan State might be the worst team in the Big Ten East? No, not at all. Yeah, I, I mean, I just... I, I cannot believe how bad this team is. But you're going up against the absolute best team in the Big Ten and possibly in the country. In the country. Yeah, so um, I'm not surprised by the outcome at all. And, I mean, big win for Ohio State. Not necessarily a statement win or anything like that. Michigan State's horrible. So I, I don't. I don't really take much away from this game other than C.J. Stroud is unbelievably good, like we knew coming into the year, and Ohio State continues to seem to get better every single week. And their defense looks like they're getting to be maybe not just as good as their offense, but their defense is freaking great. Only 202 yards of offense for Michigan State. It's only seven rushing yards. That's impressive no matter who you do it against. If you're Ohio believe. State, to go on the road and do that. I can't believe Michigan State can't run the ball. <laughs> I mean, I know they have Kenneth Walker, but still. And then Noah Kim. Happened. Noah Kim came in in this game after MSU went down 49-13. And it didn't seem like it was just for garbage time. Like, there, there may be something there. There's been some rumblings on social media of Michigan State fans wanting to see Noah Kim in there. Um, and even Peyton Thorne said after the game, too, that like he hasn't been healthy since week one, that he's been fighting stuff, which, I mean, if you're out there, you got to perform. Like, it's just plain and simple. So we'll see if anything happens quarterback-wise for Michigan State, but an 
absolute dominating performance by Ohio State, who I think we we all three probably agree that they are the best team in the country right now. Yes. Because they sure look like it. All right, them's all the game uh, from this weekend. And uh, now, boys, it's time to pull up your chairs, get out your red pens, and get to grade. <laughs> we have midterm grades to get through. We are, same as last time, we got valedictorian, we got A through C tiers, and then we've got the failing teams, the teams who they're not making it on to the next grade, and they're definitely not graduating. So uh, I'm going to have one of you guys start off this time. Corey, do you want to Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to start. I'm going to start because, again, I'm going to go with the, with the approach that there can only be one valedictorian. Same as last time. It's Ohio State. They've proven that they are the best of the best in the Big Ten and possibly in the country. Every assignment that they've been given has been passed with flying colors. And then they maybe also do it in cursive just to be a little extra about it. And then teachers like that. So they're like, you have such neat handwriting and you're so very smart and very perfect. Literally, they've played perfectly all year long and they have not been tested other than that Notre Dame game. But still on the resume counts as a top 10 win only team in the big 10 thus far that has one of those so because of that valedictorian ohio state yeah i'm gonna adopt the same philosophy this time i'm only picking one valedictorian and it's ohio state um i i mean we just spent a couple of minutes talking about how amazing and incredible they are so not gonna echo literally everything i just said but i think they're far and away the best team in the Big Ten, passing the eye test, passing, you know, they're getting style points, everything they need to do to uh, earn valedictorian for this class. So they get it from me. Yeah, I'm going to go Ohio State as well. Um, there's just nobody else you could give it to. And they've done nothing to even hint at them not being number one on this list. So I go Ohio State. Corey, who's your A tier? Okay, I got three. Number one being Michigan, number two being Penn State, and number three being Illinois. And I will give you quick reasons why. Michigan has passed all of their has passed all of their assignments. They've looked a little, you know, shaky at some points, but they've been able to adapt, adjust, and put in a solid performance. A great paper that maybe is like it's like one of those papers that like you all of these points that are kind of scattered across, but then in the middle. They meet, and you can see how everything is connected. Great writing skills from the Michigan Wolverines. Penn State has also been, you know, pretty impressive. A similar story. They were able to go study abroad and, and take home a victory in a faraway land in Alabama, which is great for them. But also they've been able to take care of business at home with shining and passing colors on their defensive line. And then Illinois, in the mass chaos that is... Uh, pre-algebra, they have somehow come up on top as the best of the worst in that side of the con in that side of the conference. And look, they're struggling along. They just lost their number one tutor. They're going to be playing with a backup tutor, getting them through math. We'll see how that goes. But to this point, Illinois has been very impressive. I have uh, I have one team in my A tier. And that is the Michigan Wolverines. Wow. And exclusive. I, it's yeah. Mr. David in the class. Is yeah. And I, I, I think the reason why is because I, I think that there is 
like I was saying last week, uh, <clears throat> I think there is a clear difference between the top two teams of this conference and the rest of the conference. And, and I think that Michigan is truly the second best team in this conference. And I believe that they are a tier above everybody else in this conference, except for Ohio state. Of course, they're in a league of their own, but I have one team in a tier and that is the Michigan Wolverines. Excellent. I, I, uh, I'm a fairly easy grader compared to you two. Oh yeah. No duh. I've, I've got four teams in my A tier. I do. Hold on. So I've got the same three that Corey does. I've got Michigan, Penn State, and Illinois. And I'm also putting the Minnesota Golden no, Gophers no. in the A tier. Hold on. you got to let me explain. you got to let me explain, okay? No, 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 you, no. This is my class. You will not come in and interrupt my lectures and my grading. So hear me out. Uh one is Michigan. They're undefeated, and they've looked better every single week. Check. Penn State, undefeated, and they've answered a lot of questions that we had about them coming into the year, which was defense, run game, and their line play on both sides of the ball, which is drastically improved. So check for them, undefeated, and answering a lot of difficult questions. Illinois, like Corey said, they're 5-1 and one right now. Their one loss was early on in the year to Indiana, a game that they should have won, but they gave away. But the fact that they've won every game from that point on tells me they're getting better. They're learning how to win. They have the nation's leading rusher in Chase Brown. They have playmakers on this team. That defense is violent. They went into Wisconsin and won a tough game on the road. Illinois impressed me, so they get an A. And Minnesota. Minnesota is 4-1. and one. Their only loss... Their only loss is to Purdue, and it was at home, but they were without Mo Ibrahim. I don't think that we can overstate how much he means to them and their team and their scheme and making other defenses play them honestly. You and lost at home to game. Purdue. You lost at home to Purdue, and you scored 10 points. You don't get eight here. With, I'm, I get it. I'm not saying they're great, but they're getting an A from me because – it was just a few self-inflicted wounds, a dropped touchdown pass, a missed field goal. They could have been right there in that game, and they made a few too many mistakes. So they're not getting an A+. Plus. They're in the bottom half of this A tier. Maybe they're getting an A-, minus, but they're still getting an A in my class. You got a fifth-year senior quarterback. You you lose your best piece, but you, that guy's got to step up. And you know what he did? He threw three interceptions. Yeah. At home against At home. Purdue. Unacceptable. Just I unacceptable. could defend him, but let give me your B tier teams. I'm I'm sick of defending Minnesota. You'll, you'll I'll, learn. I'll go first with the B tier teams. In B tier, you have the Illinois Fighting Illini. Great job, Illinois. Thus far this season, you have proven yourself to be a very very capable opponent, and I don't think anybody really expected that out of you. So kudos, and. <clears throat> Obviously, at the top of B tier is Penn State. They are the number one team in this tier. And at the bottom of this tier, I have the Minnesota Golden Gophers. At the bottom of B tier, 
because they lost at home to Purdue and we scored 10 it. points. We get it. Jeez. Aye, aye, one, aye. one mistake and you won't let them forget it. I also have Purdue in B tier. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so, I, I, I can't... <clears throat> I can't jump so hard off the bandwagon like I did for Purdue and then also not turn around and respect the fact that they have won the last two games that they have won. They went into Minnesota, an undefeated Minnesota team, held them to 10 points, and won that game. And then you play Maryland, who everybody thought they would lose that game too. And you weren't as big of an underdog. It was only three points. But it was... It was in Maryland, it was in Maryland, and you go on the road in back-to-back weeks and beat very good opponents. So for that, I am elevating Purdue, and they are in B tier. I've only got two teams in B tier, and that is Minnesota and Purdue, who are probably your best contenders, as it stands right now, for the Big Ten West against Illinois. Minnesota, you could have been an A, but you literally failed an absolute game that you needed to have, okay? And the only reason that I'm only I'm putting Purdue back into a spot where they lost a game where they absolutely needed to have is because they've won two games on the road in the Big Ten against teams who are pretty competitive, one of which should have been the front runner for this division. Not, not much else to say. Purdue has been a sporadic and boisterous fellow in the back of the class but they've been able to show results their test grades look great and then minnesota is the student that like they could be more they could do a little bit more but they're still there like hanging around and you just want them to reach their potential but they haven't done that quite yet yeah purdue is also sitting firmly in my b tier Uh, like you guys said we just don't know they could be an a type of team or they could be a C or F type of team. Like we just really don't know yet until I, we just got to see more games from them. We got to see more of it. So Purdue sits at B for me. And then also Maryland is at B for me. And really both of these teams are sitting here because they've lost games that in my opinion, they either had in the bag and gave away or just games they flat out shouldn't have lost. Maryland shouldn't lose to Purdue at home as a three point favorite and commit all those penalties and shoot themselves in the foot. And then Purdue shouldn't lose two games, uh, Penn State and Syracuse, where they absolutely outplayed their opponent. And then again, they shot themselves in the foot and gave the game away. So they're sitting in B tier because I know they've got more in them. And so I got to see it before I give them those grades. Okay. Now, moving into C tier, I'll start this one off. I have... Your University of Maryland. Uh, I think that Maryland is firmly a C-tier team right now. They, they, they've they had a couple of really big opportunities to make their presence felt in the Big Ten. And they play in the East, so it's a tough, you know, obviously a super tough division. And they just haven't had enough to get themselves over that hump. Defense hasn't played good. They're penalized more than any other team in the Big Ten. You have to get that figured out to get out of C-tier. Also in C-tier, I'm going to put the University of 
Nebraska. I'm putting Nebraska in C tier. Yeah. You've got, you went out there, you won a football game, you fired your head coach, you're, you're on life support, but uh, you're not dead. I, I think you will be by the next time we do this tier list, but <clears throat> I'm going to respect the win and I'm going to respect the fact that you currently still have a legitimate shot to win the Big Ten West if you win some games. So I'm going to respect that and I'm going to put them there. Uh, this The, the last one, I, and I, I, I so desperately don't want to put them here, but because of the performance this last week, I'm going to put Wisconsin in C tier as well. Mm-hmm. Throwing Wisconsin into C tier. Uh, they, they played so well after firing their head coach, and they, they came out, they played a really good game. So I'm, I'm going to leave them here in C tier. Same thing as Nebraska. I'm not going to execute you yet, but... Ethan, I hate that we're the exact same for this tier, and literally because I have Maryland sitting at a 79.9, and I'm not rounding up because literally Maryland's only problem is that they get in fights in class. Literally, they cannot control their temper. They're a smart kid. They're really good. They're really talented. They can get their work done on time. But if someone calls them a little bit chubby, a little bit fat, they're going to punch someone in the mouth. And they, you, ju- you just can't. You just can't do that. Nebraska was the storied, you know, family legacy. You didn't know if he could read. So you sent him to remedial English, and it turns out he can read. So now he's getting a little bit more confidence. He's building up with some of his schoolwork. And, you know, he's he's turning in some pretty respectable papers. And Wisconsin is in C tier because, I, honestly, I just can't fail them. They've had some really, I, I don't want to say tough tests. I don't want to say they've had tough tests. Um, but they've had some difficult uh, things in the classroom. Uh, and they've passed with flying colors on some. And they've also uh, been pretty disappointing in some areas. But you bounce back. They crushed an assignment this weekend. So you're passing for now. Yeah, we're all right on right on point with each other. The, my only difference is I had Maryland in the B tier. So my C tier is only Wisconsin and Nebraska. Uh, and the reason I put them both here, they both feel pretty similar to me. Like they are two teams that came into the season – with high expectations, both, I think Wisconsin more so, expecting to win the Big Ten West. But Nebraska wasn't out of the question. Like, Kirk Herbstreit picked them to win the West. So it was in the realm of possibility. So two teams with high expectations crashed and burned hard early on in the season. Uh, both fired head coaches and made drastic changes. And now both of them, right after firing those coaches, the team looks like they're playing for something. Yes. They're playing for pride. They're playing playing for each other, playing for their their new coaches. So these are two teams that it looked like it was going to get really, really bad, and it was going to be an easy F, and they were scheduled to go to summer school. But then we were filling out the paperwork, and we were like, ah, they're showing us a little bit. Maybe, Maybe they'll just barely get by this year. So they're sitting at a C, because C's get degrees. That is true. Amen, brother. All right, failing failing grades. I'll start us off with this one. Uh, I got a lot of teams 
There's Jaylen only four teams Platt. left, right? Huh? There's only four teams left, right? Don't shouldn't we all have the same four failing? Uh, I have five teams left. One, oh, two, yeah, three. Oh yeah, I forgot about them. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. So, spoiler alert: Indiana's in my in my failing tier, uh, along with. Well, Indiana's there because they're just they're just annoying. Like they're they're they they fight close in these games in the beginning and then they fall apart. It's just just be bad. I would rather you just be really really bad instead of teasing us for a quarter or a half of football. Uh, Northwestern Northwestern is in my failing tier because they betrayed me. Um, <laughs> they I thought they were going to be teachers pet this year. Uh, and instead, they're getting sent to the principal's office every day. So that's why I'm failing Northwestern because they freaking let me down. I'm failing Rutgers for a similar reason. One, they're Rutgers. And two, they've barely, by the skin of their teeth, covered these last two weeks when I've picked Ohio State and Nebraska to get it done against them. And so it just irritates me that it's like, oh, we covered by one. Oh, we covered covered by two. Like, you know what? Screw you guys. Just same as Indiana, just be bad. You sound bitter. I am. Uh, Iowa is another failing team because they're just absolutely unwatchable on one half of the football in one phase of the game. And Michigan State, Michigan State, just due to program expectations and the fact that it's getting worse every week, might be at the very bottom. It looks horrible, and they're not getting better anytime soon so those five are sitting in the back of my class getting this we all have the same five teams left and no people we did not compare these beforehand nope but we literally all put the same five teams in f so i am not about to just rehash everything that alex just said but because i I did it so eloquently oh beautifully i mean i was just like over here i I mean absolutely aroused (laughs) But anyway, I, I just I have all same five teams. They're horrible. They're bad. Like Iowa, just off yourself. Like no one wants you to be here anymore. No one wants to watch your games. I do. at least at least some of the other teams can make a game entertaining. Iowa is impossible to watch. Oh, impossible to watch. No, we don't care about the Sickos Committee game of the week. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, it's so funny. No, no. It's disgusting. It's not football. And this is not 1962. We want to see you actually run an offense. So that is my takeaway from all of this. Michigan State, you suck. Okay. Five, same five teams. I'll be super quick. IU, you had potential. You You won the Big Ten west technically or east a couple years ago but ohio state went and you're just kind of waiting for that program to turn but you don't so you sit in the back of the class and you're being dumb rutgers rutgers is just annoying and it's like the guy in the back of the class you know he's not going to turn in his homework and you tell him maybe you should and then he just doesn't so rutgers you're just the same all the time um northwestern is the really really smart kid that just discovered drugs for the first time and now they're just a complete mess a complete shell of themselves so northwestern go to rehab or something iowa got hit too hard in football practice and literally cannot they've got a plus in gym and weightlifting but everything else is f you think that 
the scribbles on the math problem. No, he just he just drew a picture of a duck. That's it. That's all that he drew. Um, and then MSU is the team that was sent to remedial English, and turns out they can't read, and they can't write either. So they're just sitting at the bottom of the class. You're like, what are we going to do? This is a complete disaster. <laughs> Michigan State is completely illiterate as far as Corey's concerned. It's true. It's true. As far as anyone is concerned. They're like the they're they're like the foreign exchange student that came in and you're like, Wait, you don't speak any English. How are you gonna read any of the stuff that we have to do in this class? What? <laughs> oh my goodness. So is it really their fault? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. Oh. Hey, hey, tuck tuck coming. Oh gosh. Ugh. <laughs> Oh, well, those are the grades for the midterm. Maybe maybe at the end of the third quarter, some of these teams will turn it around. But I have a feeling some of these are failing. Uh, they're going to be there to stay. So those are the grades. Let's get into the picks. We'll review last week. Uh, we tied again. Second week in a row. All of us uh, were 2-4 and four last week. So nobody cracking the 500 mark, which is unfortunate, which leaves us Let's see, Ethan's at 33 and 26 on the year. He's the only one above above 500. I, I joined Corey in the below 500 club. I'm 29. I'm so sorry. I didn't catch what you said there. I'm the only one what, Alex? Forget about it. It doesn't matter. Mm, interesting. I'm, I'm 29 and 30, and Corey is 28 and 31. But, you know, it's always darkest before the dawn. Shut up. In... <laughs> In the wise words of uh, Schmidt from New Girl, without ashes, a phoenix would just be a bird taking flight. <laughs> just go. Just continue. This is... We're the funny guys. We are the funny guys, not you, Alex. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the cute one, I guess. No, that's true. I'm the ugly too one. bad. Too bad. Nobody sees our faces. Nice. Everyone <laughs> says they got a face for radio. radio. Yeah. We've got faces for radio, that's for sure. So only five games this week, so not a lot of opportunity to pick up ground, but we'll we'll do our best. First one up, Penn State at Michigan. Top 10 matchup. This one, I can't wait to watch this game. Michigan is minus seven. That's the spread right now. Ethan mentioned it earlier in the year when Penn State went to Auburn. When you go on the road, you need a defense, and you need good line play on both sides of the ball. I think Penn State has that. So I do think... Michigan wins this game. I think J.J. McCarthy shows out, but I have Penn State covering this. I think Michigan's only going to win by a field goal. I, I I just have all day been like, how in the world could I ever pick Michigan to cover a touchdown in this game? And as much as it pains me to do, because I feel like this game is going to be so close, I think Michigan somehow ends up winning this game by like 10 points by a touchdown and a field goal. Give me Michigan to cover. I I, I really don't want to take Michigan to cover, but I, I feel like they will. And I want to keep being better than you guys at this. So give me Michigan to cover. I got one word for you gentlemen. And it starts with a P. We're going to push. That's what Dude. Michigan's going to win by. You're lying. Are you calling a push? I'm calling a push. 
Yes. <laughs> I'm so happy that you did that. Are we are we allowing it, Ethan? Are we allowing it? I'm calling okay, a push. We're allowing it. That's a thumbs up from Ethan. We're we are definitely allowing it. I'm calling a push. Okay. Fuck we. This if is why I'm in last place. If he's right, I'm gonna throw my remote at the television. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. If, like, if he's truly. right, if he's right, we give him how many wins do you want to get for that? If I'm no, right, just one. Just double just it. One. Just double it. Because that's technically a middle, right? No. Go no. You you have to pick against the spread. A push is not against fine. the spread. Fine. Okay. Fine. Okay. I'm just gonna side with Ethan then. I still think Michigan's gonna win. Okay. All right, I think they're gonna win too. I just think it'll be really close. So you, you both got Michigan? I don't I don't think Michigan's gonna win by that. At home, no. I think that's gonna be a different story. Next one up, Minnesota is traveling to Illinois. Illinois dealing with some injury issues. Probably no DeVito or Williams for them. And Minnesota is getting um, Mo Ibrahim back, and they're off a bye week. They're minus six and a half. That's the spread. Minnesota minus six and a half. I've got Minnesota. Seems like all the arrows are pointing in their direction. I think this is actually one of those spots where I'm like, how is Minnesota not favored by more than this with all the injuries that Illinois has? Illinois' defense, you guys, is really, really good. We've been saying that all year. Illinois' defense is really good. Look for them to keep this a really low-scoring game. Whatever the uh, over-under is in this game, find yourself on the lesser half of it, the under, especially the first half under. I love the first half under in this game. You're going to have Illinois really trying to choose some clock. Uh... I, I look for this game to be ultra tight. I Oh, my goodness. I'm going to take I, – I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm going to take Illinois. Give me the points. Wow. I'll take Illinois. That's crazy. Listen, Arthur, Arthur Sitkowski, what, that's the name of the yeah. backup quarterback? He's not good. I thought he was. I thought he was a serviceable backup quarterback. He's not. He's not good. Um, so if, if the Michigan-Indiana game taught us every, anything – and Chase Brown is the number one rusher in the country, I think Minnesota's going to be like, hey, let's make Arthur Sitkowski beat us. And for that reason, I don't think they're, I don't think Illinois is going to move the ball at all in this game. I just don't, especially without their starting quarterback. I'm going to take Minnesota to cover. Next game up, Maryland at Indiana. Maryland is minus 11. It's a pretty big spread, but Indiana's a really bad team with a really bad secondary I think they showed out against Michigan and brought their absolute best. I don't know if they have that in them every week, and I think Maryland's going to be looking to bounce back in a big way after a disappointing home loss. Give me Maryland to cover. I think this game could be a shootout, and I think it could be a lot of fun. But I think uh, Maryland's going to cover as well. Um, What's the spread on this game? Minus Corey? 11. Ah. Uh... Man, oh man. Yeah, Maryland wins by two touchdowns or more. Yep, give it to me. Give I'll stick with me. you guys. I'll stick with you guys. Give me Maryland. <laughs> clean clean sweep for us on that one. Uh, next game up, Wisconsin going on the road to Michigan State. Wisconsin is minus 7.5. I just wanted to take a look because they lit up Northwestern through the air. And I was like, well, how does Northwestern's pass defense compare to Michigan State's? Because they're both bad. Northwestern, pass yards allowed this year, 
per game. Northwestern is 67th. Michigan State, 122nd. They are abysmal. Wisconsin is going to cover minus 7.5. They're going to throw to set up the run. I don't know how this spread is not more, and I'm not kidding when I say that. So if this line is still available when you are listening to this, people, and you want to make a very sound investment, and I'm not talking about a gamble, okay? I'm talking about a sound investment strategy. Is it high risk? Would it be considered high risk by your broker? Sure. But it also <laughs> it also returns almost 100% of your money instantly. So how about you just go ahead and you take that lump sum of cash and you put it on Wisconsin because they going to cover. I am done betting on Michigan State to cover this. I've done it three times, and all three times they have lost. I'm sick of you. I'm sick of being scared of you. I'm sick of saying, oh, they're scrappy. Oh, they're going to do this. No, I'm putting my foot down, and I'm going to make a declaration. I'm not going to bet Michigan State's going to cover any game for the rest of the year, this year. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. So for that reason, Wisconsin, Wisconsin's going to win this game by at least 10. At least. So you can, if you have a, if you have a option to do an alternate spread, do that. But yet again, I'm sitting at last place in this thing. So maybe don't listen to <laughs> uh, Next game up, last game up. Nebraska's going on the road to Purdue. This is a night game. Purdue is minus 14 in this one. Uh, it was actually lower. It was closer to 12 and a half, and it's moving towards Purdue. I This game scares me, but Nebraska, to me, is playing a little bit better football, a little more sound on the defensive side of it, and we call them the spoiler makers for a reason. There's nothing to spoil here. I think Nebraska is going to keep this one tight, just close enough. I'm going to take Nebraska in the points. Alex, you know, sometimes you're just a real smart guy and you just make real smart decisions. And this is one of those times. No, I'm not going all reverse on you. No, no, no. This is where we leave our good friend Corey out on an island because I agree with you. I think Nebraska is going to keep this game within two touchdowns. No, I'm not saying they win. They won't. But I think they keep it respectable. Corey, what say you? I really want to. I really want to agree with you guys. I'm sucked back in. I'm sucked back in. Let's go. He's on the train. I'm sucked back in knowing full well that they are going to lose this game. They're just going to lose this game. But you know what? I can't believe it in my heart because these are my boilermakers. These are the boys that are going to make sure the road to Pasadena runs through West Lafayette. Give me Purdue. This is the, you know what? This is the game where everything's going to come together. They see what is on the horizon. They've seen that they've played subpar throughout this whole season, and they're saying, boys, we have a chance to make a statement at home. Let's put it all together. Let's run the ball. Let's play good defense. Let's have our air attack. Let's do this thing. It's a ridiculous spread. I can't believe I'm doing it, but i got to make up some ground somehow. Purdue is going to cover this game. The thing is, Corey tried to make up ground last week by picking Michigan State, and if he didn't do that, he would have made up ground on me. <laughs> Listen, 
Listen, shoot from the hip. One of these days, I'm going to hit it big again. One of these days. One of these days you will. Well, that's all we got for the show. Uh, thank you again for listening. Check us out on the gram and on Twitter at Big Show Pod. And then wherever you listen to us, Apple, Spotify, wherever, follow, subscribe, leave a review. It helps us out a bunch. Thank you so much for listening to all of our nonsense. We will see you next week. Rock on, baby. Peace.